In the 1970s and 80s, world attention was riveted by the brutal images coming out of South Africa. Striking black school children, braving bullets, and white security forces bulldozing homes in the black townships. But throughout these years, the person who figured most prominently in South Africa's struggle was invisible. Here is part four of Mandela, an audio history. This is Radio Freedom, the voice of the African National Congress. The South African security forces believe there are at least 4,000 guerrillas under training in camps in Mozambique, Angola and other frontline states. The guerrillas sing of the man they regard as their leader, the jailed nationalist Nelson Mandela. Show us the way to victory, say the words. Freedom is in your hands. In the 80s, black resistance had grown enormously. The mass movement in this country, the political movement, the armed struggle, the world opinion was all turning against the government. Uniquely in the world, the struggle took on the character of a race issue, the issue of humanity itself. It made this a worldwide phenomenon. Hello. Yes, I'm calling from Holland. I'd like to speak to Mrs. Mandela, please. Okay. I'm calling from the Dutch radio. Yes. Winnie Mandela is her husband's voice in the world outside. The government has tried to silence her. For nearly 20 years, she's been living under virtual house arrest. Your husband has been in prison now for 22 years. It is incredible that he is still the most popular leader in South Africa. In the early 80s, the world, in some sense, became obsessed by this political prisoner. Our thoughts are with you. Thank you so much for your solidarity. We will meet in freedom. Certainly, Amanda. Amanda, Kuwaitu. Thank you very much, Mrs. Mandela. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Sometimes I think the fact that he was in prison and could make no speeches and therefore could make no mistakes it's as if the government had done us a favor by locking them up all those many years. 50,000 birthday cards from the people of Holland were delivered to Nelson Mandela's wife, Winnie. World champion boxer Mike Tyson sent his gloves for Mandela. I think the government was always terrified that he'd die in prison. They were between a rock and a hard place. If he died in prison, not only would he be a martyr, but I think they feared that the world would believe they'd bumped him off, that they'd assassinated him in some way. On the other hand, they were afraid to let him out because they didn't know what would happen. Viva Nelson Mandela! Viva! Viva the cause for liberation! Viva! By that time, of course, the struggle had advanced a great deal. The people in their millions had just started disobeying apartheid laws. There were not jails enough, there were not police enough. It was great. Because you felt deep down in your bones that this couldn't go on for a long time. 
and many white South Africans didn't understand what was going on because they were leading their own segregated, cloistered lives with their black servants and not ever setting foot in the townships. So they didn't know what was going on. And if we didn't know, it was because we closed our eyes because it was very uncomfortable to admit the truth to oneself. Well, my role as, as Deputy Minister of Police was to calm the situation down because there was the general belief, at least on the side of P.W. Puerta at that stage, that if we would control the problem, it might go away. Good evening. A general state of emergency has been declared throughout the country. The state president told Parliament that he'd taken this step because he believed the ordinary laws of the land were inadequate to maintain public order in the prevailing circumstances. The government displayed the utmost patience. I was even accused in some quarters of being weak. Let there be no misunderstanding. South Africa is a developing, stable country, and we are determined to remain one. Good evening. Security forces made 113 arrests within the first 12 hours after the state of emergency came into force at midnight last night. Under Roadblocks the and other emergency measures have already been You are now ordered to disperse, and you must depart, depart from this place of gathering immediately. The police moved around in tanks, equipped with uh, jets for tear gas. It was the state of utter chaos, this country. You could see that something had to give. Apartheid opponents have now called for a nationwide week of general protest to begin Monday because it's been a year of almost continued racial violence. It was made clear to us by the whole world, including our trading partners, that this could simply not go on. We lost virtually all our trade with America once they introduced that anti-apartheid bill. And within the ranks of the cabinet, a realization grew slowly that somewhere ahead of us is calamity, unless we change, unless we adapt, unless we do something about it. After months of brutal infighting, President P.W. Bota was forced from office today in a dramatic cabinet coup. It was a rainy, gloomy day in Cape Town as the man who was head of state here for 11 years was made to step down. His own cabinet tipped him out. There was a growing feeling that they had to move in some new direction. Bota's successor, F.W. de Klerk, and his associates are faced with convincing a skeptical international community that they have policies for South Africa which will forever bury the concept of apartheid. Before I became president, in the latter part of the 80s, the options were limited. One option was a military option. Hard fist, continue, hold on to power, suppress. Another option would be to string things out, to negotiate, but really not to negotiate, to give in a little bit here, do a little thing there, and to just stretch it out. He knew perfectly well he could stay in power. With the army and the police, you can carry on for quite a long time, if you're prepared to shoot, to use violence if necessary. 
but I didn't think de Klerk was prepared to shoot. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the state president. The opening speech in the beginning of the year 1919 was the most well-kept secret in my whole political career. Our country and all its people have been embroiled in conflict, tension and violent struggle for decades. Today, I'm able to announce far-reaching decisions. The steps that have been decided are the following. The prohibition of the African National Congress, the Pan-Africanist Congress, the South African Communist Party and a number of subsidiary organizations is being rescinded. It was a total stunning shock. They didn't know it. this was going to happen. I wish to put it plainly that the government has taken a firm decision to release Mr. Mandela unconditionally. I'm serious. I'm serious about bringing this matter to finality without delay. The time for negotiation has arrived. If I may, I'd like to recap what we've just heard from President de Klerk. He has announced that at 3 p.m. tomorrow, Johannesburg time, Nelson Mandela will finally be released after 27 years behind bars. When F.W. de Klerk made that speech, he believed that if you released Mandela, who'd become an icon in prison, a living martyr, if you released him, he would quickly be shown to be fallible. Old, out of touch, demythologized was the word they used. And all this was wrong. You join us at the Wichterverstadt prison where the excitement is running high. People halfway up trees, standing on their toes, clinging to the wires, trying to get the best possible view any moment now. If we can just spot Mr. Mandela. There's Mr. Mandela, Mr. Nelson Mandela, a free man taking his first steps into a new South Africa. And a salute from Mr. Nelson Mandela, his wife Winnie, greeting the people. His first public appearance in nearly three decades. 72 years old, walking strongly, step by step. And one wonders what must be passing through Mr. Mandela's mind at this moment. When I saw that crowd, uh, I must confess that uh, I didn't have the courage and the confidence, you know, to speak to them. I never imagined that uh, there would be such crowds. Uh, rather took me by surprise. I think it took more than an hour for us just to go through the crowd to be able to go to the platform. Today, the majority of South Africans, black and white, recognize that apartheid has no future. Yeah. Among you, 
Yeah.